Hey there, Selena Kulkarni here with another episode of the Freedom Warrior podcast. Each week I share with you the strategies, expert interviews and people's stories around the topic of wealth and financial freedom. So today I'm excited to share with you an interview I did with Warren Otter. Uh, Look, super interesting guy. Uh, Sometimes when people are wildly successful as entrepreneurs, it's easy to assume they have immunity to feeling pain around money. As a mentor to many private business owners, Warren focuses on helping them turn their companies into independent growing businesses. And in this episode, he shares his own journey, including some of the money beliefs he's had to personally overcome, lessons from his youth, and how his attitudes to making money have changed over time. Now, for any of you that are listening who would like to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods, please head over to my website, freedomwarrior.com.au, where you can access my library of articles, interviews, and programs to help you on your way to becoming more financially free. So let's now get on with the show. Warren, welcome to the show. So great to have you on today. Thank you, Selena. Thanks for having me. So look, um, I'm going to throw you a curly one to start with. Um, You know, what I know to be true is that, you know, where you come from and the experiences that you have as a younger person really shape you. Um, If you had to think back to, you know, childhood, younger years, you know, what were the lessons that you gleaned from whether it's your parents or experiences that you had about money and wealth? That's an interesting question around money and wealth, because I don't think from my parents, I learned a lot about money and wealth. Um, I probably gleaned a lot more from it from my grandfather, believe it or not. He was sort of a self-made entrepreneur and he was pretty generous with what he had and I probably learned a lot from him and respected him a lot about how he went about it. Um, you know, he came from nothing, built up a business, um, eventually employed about 100 people and was just really focused on how he went about things. He just didn't let anyone get in his way. And so, you know, obviously you've gone on to have a very successful career in the space around coaching bigger businesses. How did you sort of make the link? Like what was the pathway to get from where you were possibly with parents who maybe didn't spend a lot of time talking about it to where you got to? Uh, Probably my link came right back to the fact that I never, uh, I, I started off my background, I started off as an accountant, but I only started off as an accountant to actually understand business. I always knew I was going to be in business some way or another. So my real passion is about business and understanding what private businesses are all about. Uh, so I got into coaching after about 18 years of being an owner in a family business. So I bought into to that family business that my grandfather eventually, uh, he passed away and then I bought into the business. And my passion was always about owning a business and growing it and developing it and making wealth out of it and freedom choices rather than actually owning a job. Yeah. Fantastic. So it got, it, it became, it got to a situation where uh, probably a bit of family dynamics came into it and I ended up selling out of the business after being in it for 18 years. Uh, and I grew the business through a series of acquisitions. So I, um, we plateaued, I made a few mistakes, I bought another business to bolt on, made another mistake, bought another business, but then through a series of acquisitions, took the business from four and a half to 25 million in, in revenue with up to a hundred staff. And then I sold out because uh, I was never actually really, 
I was passionate about what my grandfather started, but I wasn't passionate about that particular business. Right. Um, and I've always, all the way through, was continuing to self-develop and learn about what's it really about being a business owner and being a leader in business and developing other people around you. There's no question that, you know, a lot of people believe that their business is the, you know, their primary investment vehicle and, and yep. there's no question that business is an investment vehicle. My, my question to you is, you know, as someone who's been very successful in business, how did the concept of investing, how did that kind of play out during your early years in business? Did you think about investing outside the business or was the business the primary vehicle? No, you're probably right. Um, I was probably still one of those people right all the way through that was primarily investing in the business. Um, really small amount of external investments, um, nowhere near enough. And if I had my time again, I would have had a lot more external investments um, at the time as, as I had the manufacturing business. Um, when I sold out of that, my thought was oh, to go and invest in a new business. And again, my focus there was investing in business again. Um, so I bought another business purely as an investor, not as an operator. Um, but I must admit, I got tired of that pretty quickly and sold it. But, and my, found my real passion. But you're, you're raising a very good question about using businesses to help invest outside the business. And that's something I love to talk to business owners today about. Tell me about that for you. Like if we pull that apart a little, what do you think would be different in your life if you had done more sort of conservative or other investments outside of the business? Where would you be today, do you think? Uh, if, I, if I did more of that, particularly with the vehicle I had, I had a $25 million turnover business and pouring more of it back into the business, in hindsight, all I got out of it was the sale price of the business. If during that period I was actually investing in other investments, but shares or property, um, I would have had an extra portfolio put aside right now rather than just what I sold the business for. Whilst yeah. we do have some property aside, probably nowhere near as much as probably what I should have through that journey of having a, a substantial machine that was pumping out cash every year and I could have diverted some of it somewhere else. Look, what you describe is, I think, a pretty typical, um, I guess, affliction of, of business owners is they... They're really all in on their business and, you know, to their credit, they need to be in order to develop an asset that's a, you know, high saleable value. Um, my question for you is, you know, do you think that people would view investing outside of the business as a, a distraction? Um, you know, is it a kind of a deviation from the, the single focus? And is that good or bad? Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. And a lot of business owners, as I was touching on a bit before, and you're probably aware of this, a lot of business owners get very focused on their business. And to actually have a chat to them about investing outside their business, I think you're right. I don't think they've got the time or the, or the time to, to develop the expertise to do it. Um, and then they end up probably dabbling and get burnt and go, well, that was a mistake. I won't do it again. Um, yeah, they don't really probably spend the time to do it because they're so focused on their own business. Uh, and I think they probably should start to invest. And that's why I try to talk to business owners, free yourself up from the business so you can have at least one day, if not two days a week off doing something else. Be, yep. it, your, be it a passion that you love to do or another investment. Let me ask you a slightly different question. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there who try to, you know, present themselves as someone who's never lost money or had any negative experiences around, around money. 
Can you tell me about a time where maybe you experienced some kind of financial loss and, and what did you do to digest it or get past it? Yeah, look, go back to when I had the manufacturing business. Oh, it was never straight line up. <laughs> uh, uh, it wasn't long after we did the first acquisition back in the mid-1990s that our main competitor, which was a public company, decided to go really hard against us. And we had an all-out war in the market for about two years. And our bank at the time wanted to call us into credit and basically tell us how to run the business and wind us up. Um, and that was torturous. Um, Probably the question was, what do we do about it? We stuck to our guns, a really strong plan about what we're going to do. Um, we went in there with a very clear plan that we're about to do another acquisition. And they said, no, you're not whilst you're in bad bank. And we said, you watch us. <laughs> and, I went and I went and bought another business on vendor terms and, and switched banks at the same time. Um, but you're right, it's not a straight line. Um, of, yeah, that's one probably big element of it. Uh, the investment I probably made in my business I bought after I sold out of my primary business, I probably got a bit bored and I, I paid too much for it. So when I exited, I, I made a loss. Um, not all business deals are good. Not all deals are great. Uh, you just got to be positive and look forward. Yeah, I love that. Can I ask an extension on that one then? Like if you think of a spectrum where down one end is making money is really easy and down the other end is making money is really hard, Given the experience that you've had to date and where you are in the world, like where do you sit on that spectrum? Um, I wouldn't say it's really easy. <laughs> um, I think some people make it harder than it really should be. Uh, and I think you've really got to focus on it. If you focus on an area of making money that you actually like what you're doing, it's easier than you think. Can you expand so, on it? That's beautiful. I love it. Well, I think people work really hard in areas that they don't really like and therefore they, they, they find making money a chore. Um, I've always thought if you're actually, it's pretty common, if you work in an area that you absolutely love and it doesn't feel like work and you're making a good living out of it um, or you're making a, a good earn out of it, be it through investments or your business or your occupation, whatever it may be, it's not as difficult. So, I mean, I'm absolutely passionate about what I do these days. Um, and when you're passionate about it and, and got some good skills around it, it becomes easier. So on a scale from down here, it's, it's not that easy, but it shouldn't be that hard either. So people might look at you, Warren, and say, boy, you know, he's got it easy. Um, and, you know, Don't know why. <laughs> you know, you have all the, you know, trimmings of someone who's been very financially successful. Um, how would you respond to that? Like, you know, it is very easy to look from the outside and, and make it might seem that, you know, you've got everything that you could possibly want on the level of finances and wealth. How do you reply to that? How would you respond? Um, well, I think everyone's got a different threshold of what they think is comfortable. Um, and I've always been one that you don't judge poorly about what, what, what someone else has got. Um, I've always respected what people have built up and what they've done rather than try to shoot them down. Um, so, look, I've always encouraged people to use, particularly in business and finance, what they've got is not to show off or to be scared about it. It's just a scoreboard. It actually, actually lets you know how successful you've been or how successful your actions have been. And to me, it just creates a little bit more comfort around your life 
but it's not something to go and post around or brag about or make a big deal about. I, it's not me. Yep. No, I love that. Let me ask you a, a slightly different question. You know, obviously you came from a, a, a reasonable, maybe middle-class type upbringing. You, you went to school, you had all the basics. If you think about your own um, journey, both professionally and as well as a business owner, and your stewardship. So stewardship is that very old fashioned word of how you care for money. How has your stewardship changed as your income has grown? Probably hasn't changed at all. Uh, I've probably, I've probably it's something that I probably do need to still develop further. Um, I wouldn't say I'm great at stewardship when it comes to, um, to money. That's probably one of my downfalls. I've probably got more focus on what my passion is and how I help others than actually focusing on helping myself. Yeah, I love that. If, um, if you had to, uh, you know, I think this is a question that it's a Trump style question, but if you, uh, if you woke up tomorrow and everything was gone, like you're back to ground zero. So you have the knowledge you have, but you've got yep. no assets, no income, no business. What would you do first? Like, how would you, how would you start over? What would you do first? Um, I'm probably fortunate in that regard because I'd probably be doing exactly what I'm doing today. Um, what I'm doing today is identifying business owners, helping them understand what they want to do, what, where they want to achieve their life, talk to them about my journey and my learnings from my journey, because I don't hide the fact when I talk to business owners the mistakes I've made. And I show people that from those mistakes you can learn and get somewhere quicker. So I'd probably be doing what I'm currently doing, which is also one of my passions is around helping business owners grow through acquisition. So we try to help business owners understand how to have a business that's twice the size you've currently got and spend half the time in it. Um, so it's the, the amount of knowledge I've built up and experience I've built up over the nearly 30 years now, which is a bit scary, um, really makes it a lot easier for me to go forward with a lot of comfort if I have to start from ground zero again. I think a, a question that's kind of leads on from that is, you know, we're, we're obviously in a um, post, not really quite, but almost post COVID world the landscape economically feels different. It certainly looks a little different. You know, if you were giving advice to people out there listening to this and describing where do you see the greatest opportunities for those who wanting to create wealth over the next decade, you know, what would your, what would your advice or wisdom be? It's interesting because being in Victoria, we're not even thinking about post COVID. We're post, we're right smack bang in the middle of it. Um, but, this has been occupying my mind a lot lately um, and particularly the space that I, I like working around that is the, the mergers and acquisition and the growth space around how to grow a business. Um, unfortunately, it's a little bit like the stock market a little bit at the moment. It dropped right off early in the year and now people are sitting back trying to pick when to buy back into the stocks and which stocks to buy. The same thing's happening with private businesses. There's so many businesses that are going to require saving that is, if you've got a really strong balance sheet or a reasonably strong balance sheet or access to cash, or you know how to negotiate vendor terms, you go out there soon and start to bolt on as many businesses that practically make sense to your long-term strategy. Um, because there's going to be a lot of businesses that are not going to come out of this the other end. And I'm not talking about you know, the small little cafes and so forth. I'm talking about some serious strategic businesses. Um, and put two or three businesses together and then then you have something substantial and put a good management team around it. 
So you're sort of talking more about, you know, really partnering with the right businesses and, um, you know, plugging weaknesses. Yeah, plugging weaknesses, but also, um, yeah, it is plugging weaknesses. It's actually taken out some, um, some triplicated costs between businesses. And that's going to be a little bit unfortunate for the people that lose out in the middle because there will be job losses out of that. But in my view, I learned this a long, long time ago, I'd much rather see a company that's employing, say, 50 people merge into another business and keep employing 35 of them than the 50 all go broke. Yeah, that's an interesting viewpoint. I hadn't considered that. That's great. And that is going to happen more and more if in the, in the foreseeable future. And I think this is probably the first top climate where, and I'm not a fan of mergers. I really don't like mergers. Um, they generally happen in professional organisations, not in private you know, companies that have products and so forth. But I think this is a great time for businesses and business owners to talk to each other and can seriously consider merging together if they've got the right values, the right culture, um, but just to save some of those overhead costs and actually help each other out. Look, Warren, I, I ask you this because I think you're probably positioned to answer it. You, you probably deal with a lot of business owners and particularly right now when there's a lot of stress in the market, there'd be a lot of emotion around everything that's going on. Um, you know, when you talk to business owners who are at various stages of, you know, business cycle, how do you kind of tease apart this concept of financial success? Like, what does financial success mean to you? And then how are you kind of helping your clients and people that you support with understanding what financial success is? It's a good question. I'm probably not the best at teasing that out of people. Um, I really try and sit down with business owners, first of all, and ask them what their life journey is all about, what they're really trying to achieve in life. And it's scary because more than eight out of 10, probably nine out of 10, look at me like, what are you talking about? Um, they're actually just on a treadmill. And to actually get them to tease them out about what the whole, the bigger picture is all about and why they're doing it, it's actually a little bit confronting. A lot of them are actually quite comfortable just being in the day-to-day -day grind. Um, and some people awaken to it pretty quickly and others just glaze over. And they're like, can we just get on to growing the business? And they ask them why and they don't even know why. That's a really interesting um, concept. And I'd love to maybe just tease that out a little more with you. Sure. Yep. Why do you think people end up on this treadmill? Like, you know, I thought that people went into business because it was something that they were passionate about or there was some, you know, burning motivation there. But it almost sounds like people are somewhat on autopilot. Um, I find too many are on autopilot. It takes, you've got to find out, I've asked them, I've got to work out why they actually went into it in the first place. And I actually asked them to write down if they can remember all the reasons why they went into their own business. And some of it is because they didn't want a boss. They want to be able to do their own thing when they wanted to do it. They want to have financial freedom. <laughs> um, they want to have more time off to spend with family. And then you go through each one of those and you go, so how are you going with, with not having a boss? So I go, well, the business is now my boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, they're more accountable to their business than they were ever to a boss. Um, how are you going with having more time with your family? And most of them say, yeah, I'm having less time because I'm working 12-hour days plus weekends. I think about it in my spare time and I'm having two weeks a year off rather than six. And, and they go through it all. And it, most of them, and I actually sometimes coach business owners in a group, and it's really that 
that's an interesting time, that aha moment, when I turn to people in a group and say, so who actually taught you all how to be a business owner? And they look at each other and go, no one. They fell into it. So many business owners actually don't know what it means to actually be a leader, be an entrepreneur, be a business owner, be an investor, but not be the day-to-day manager. They end up by default being the CEO or the managing director, and that's probably the worst job they've got. None of them were really trained to be managing director. Yet they all want to be the managing director or the CEO. And internally, they hate it. Yeah. But they don't trust a lot of people either. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me kind of ask you one final question before we wrap up. Um, you know, given what we've just talked about and, and a lot of business owners being on somewhat of a treadmill, where does the end game fit into business for some of those people if, we're, if they're not clear on financial success? Is it, you know, what, what happens to those business owners that don't have a saleable asset? And I know, you know, I want to put an asterisk against all of that because I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, retirement is a dirty word. Yeah. So assuming we're not talking retirement, what does the end game of business mean? Like what is that, you know, what are business owners that can't sell? What do they do? Uh, unfortunately, I've seen more and more of it and I'm talking to a lot of people in this space at the moment because I generally work on the buy side. I talk to people who are on the sell side and there's a lot of business owners that can't sell their business. Um, you know, they get to the stage where they're almost forced by their spouse to say it's time to give up. We've got a, enough money or we've got to have some time to ourselves. We've got to sell. A lot of the time, businesses aren't saleable and they can't let go of the business, so they won't sell it for nothing. So they keep just drifting on and they stay in the business even longer until they look around and there's really not much there. It's a very tired business and they end up closing it. And I've spoken to a few business owners over the years and they say, I will buy your business for X price. And I'll say, oh, that's ridiculous. I'll, I'll just work for two more years and I'll get that price. I'll work for three more years and I'll get that money myself. And I say, yeah, but at the end, you still got to do something with it. At the end, you've still got to either close it or sell it for a price and walk away. And a lot of business owners don't realise that as they stop investing in it, it becomes tired, the business becomes ugly. And if they do close it, it depends on their situation. They've got to pay out staff redundancies. They've... If they've got stock, the stock, big proportion of stock will be unsaleable. They've got all these other costs just to close the business down. Sometimes it's better to sell the business for $1 and let someone else take over all those liabilities and then go and retire. But they don't get it until it's too late. Yeah, great, great response, Warren. I really appreciate that. That's right. I, um, I, uh, I really feel like we've um, touched on a few things that I wasn't expecting today, but I, I really want to thank you for your time and... Um, I'll be sure to include in our show notes um, how people can get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more. But just want to say thanks so much for making the time today. It was terrific to have you on. That's right. And I appreciate the discussion and uh, all the best. Thank you. Terrific. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Warrior podcast and a few things before you take off. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review my podcast to help more people find it. Also, each week I send out a unique email newsletter where I share some of the most cutting edge and interesting things I've found during the week to help you on your journey to financial freedom. 
And finally, if you're interested in fast tracking towards being financially free, please check out my programs where I help you get onto the path of generating a significant six-figure passive income through investing. If you're interested, head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to find out if it's suitable for you. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.